All right, fooled you with the song. We are gotcha. We are we gotcha. Gotcha. We are here for a special weekend recap edition of FRL Monday FRLs. What's next? Tuesday FRLs? Uh, who who can tell? Who can tell? Sky's the limit. I'm not a fortune teller, but we just might see it. Um, I'm David Bray, joined here by Andrew Spay, coming to you after a pretty wild weekend of wrestling. Dual meets were great. It was All lucky right. uh, lucky week number thirteen. Lucky thirteen, as I always say, and we had some. We were lucky to see all sorts of cool matches, cool dual meets, cool results. Yeah, let's get to that cool info. So yeah, the wildness this weekend started on Friday night, and uh, those of you FRL faithful, faithful listeners heard a Friday night recap from Christian Piles and Sam Herring. Mm-hmm. Great recap there. Sam Herring retired our own uh, Kyle Bracky from yeah. the dual rankings. I mean, uh, he laid out a good case. I think that. Uh, you know, I don't know how you're going to rank those. I know I'm glad. I'm glad Bracky's in the rankings guild. Yeah. With, uh, with myself and all of our other great rankers. Mm-hmm. But I agree that when you're stuck with a situation like this, when North Carolina beat Virginia Tech the way they did, that you know the, you're left with not a lot of options, and you know it might be time for Bracky to hang it up. I think so. Uh, but we'll see. He might. He'll probably look at his, his pension and uh, may, you know see if it's the right time or not. not. Retire forever, but yeah, just maybe. yeah from the dual meet rankings. So um, I think. Probably one of the biggest stories and one of the stories that's going to occupy your work week a little bit is the 149-pound results, which have caused a big question and some discussion about who's going to be the number one ranked 149-pounder moving forward. We had a meeting earlier today uh, at 8 a.m. here in the office, and uh, it immediately devolved into a shouting match between everybody that had an opinion at 149. So here is the situation. Going into this weekend... Pat Lugo of Iowa was number one in the country. He was undefeated, had a win over formerly number one ranked wrestler and highest returning place finish from last year, Austin O'Connor. That was a a championship match at Midlands. Um, But Sammy Sasso, who was number six coming into this weekend. Right, because Sasso took losses to uh, Brent Moore Mm -hmm. uh, very early in the season in a dual meet um, and then lost again to to Brayton Lee. Lee, um, CKLV CKLV, yeah, yeah. So... So Sasso had been uh, number six, but people kind of smelled the upset potentially brewing as as Sasso knocked off Lugo last year at Midlands, the third place match. So once again, Sasso gets the win over Lugo. Somewhat controversial. I think Iowa fans wanted to see some stall calls. Um, those didn't come, right? And and uh, Sasso gets the ride out in tiebreakers for the win. And now all of a sudden the conversation started happening. Well, what if Sammy Sasso avenges his loss to Brayton Lee? Will that make him number one in the country? He'll probably have the best collection of wins of any 149 pounder. Um, so Sunday rolls around and last night's duel between Ohio State and Minnesota was a really fun one. And the coaches, I think, made the right call finishing the duel at 149, which meant that we had a 149 pound match between Mitch McKee and Luke Pletcher, second to last, and then the headliner match. Sammy Sasso, Brayton Lee. Yeah, great job getting that one right. I think that was in the best interest of everybody uh, in BTN, the network, the cable channel, and the fans that were uh, there in attendance and everybody watching um, just at home or whatever. Yeah, it was great. I mean, it it really – it felt like a big-time production and really enjoyed the way that they did that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Good job there. Yeah, it was really good. But, you know, that match was crazy. 
Brayton Lee looked like he was very much in control, got a takedown early, and and his takedown came on, I don't know, was it like the second or third really deep shot that he had on Sasso? He was on a, in on Sasso's legs a bunch, uh, and to everybody's point that, you know, Sasso doesn't shoot, how does he not get hit with stalling? Um, a, I think that's just the weakness of folk style rules in that we're relying on a stall call to create the action. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you have a, step, a totally longer conversation, but you have a step out penalty, I don't think you worry so much about all these stall calls. I think you can push the action a little bit more if you're attacking or, and score more points and force more situations. But Sasso was was staying in the center. He yeah. wasn't just backing up. He didn't have his skates on. He didn't have a lead to protect. Yeah. He was just, he's just insane at defense and was being more... Um, uh, picky about what his shot selection yeah and he ran up against two wrestlers that were firing off more shots or being more offensive i don't know if that officially is stalling if he's staying there and just countering yeah versus you know he's not shutting down the attacks he's getting into scrambles he's staying there and and countering with other wrestling moves yeah he's not just trying to run away or or you know avoid mixing it up it's the interesting thing so, about yeah folk style stall rules you're you're maybe more likely to be awarded a stall call if you are instead of a, actually attacking with shots, controlling the mat and moving the guy around, than you are if you're constantly in on legs, which was the case for Brayton Lee. He was just in on legs over and over. Took some beautiful shots, really just, good ones. Sasso is is a magician. I he mean, is. Houdini's out of the most ridiculous situations. He gets dead to rights multiple times. Lugo had him a couple times, especially yeah. at that end. Yeah. Uh, right at the edge of the mat in front of the Iowa corner, mm-hmm. and he gets that leg elevator just in time, whips. Um, uh, Lugo over and gets his hips back and you know I think that was correctly uh, yeah. uh, reviewed and called a no takedown but that was one of the most athletic uh, performances sequences I've seen in D1 this year yeah so getting back to the Brayton Lee match mm-hmm. um, Lee's very much in control early in the match and then in the third Sasso kind of snaps him down front head gets to that cradle position gets the takedown and uh, and he wins the match four to two and so now we're faced with this question: Is Sammy Sasso number one? He has probably the best collection of wins. Ice in the veins. Ice in the veins. Um, but we've got another guy, Bulu Allen of Oklahoma State, who remains undefeated. Undefeated. He uh, also has a win over Brayton Lee. That was a Minnesota Oklahoma State dual meet that they had early in the season. And I know this is not a factor in the rankings, but it was it was a convincing win over Brayton Lee. Yeah, that's one thing to keep in mind. A lot of people bring it up when they criticize the NCAA rankings. Any rankings is, well, he got destroyed by that guy, and that one was a he needed sudden victory, he needed overtime, and unfortunately, we, uh, well, you know, it just it is what it is. We're not factoring in uh, a, a margin of victory. Yeah, it would just uh, it's just not feasible. Uh, we're calling balls and strikes. You go win, you get a loss. We're mm-hmm. also not counting an injury default if it was unless it was you know I was destroying a guy. Yeah. And then that's the one time it would come in. But anyway, yeah, just wins and losses. So, yes, no margin of victory is being factored. But so, to your point, just your overall feel. Yeah. When Lou Allen had another win this weekend over over Max Thompson, who's, who's been an All-American, solid. ranked 11th right now in the country. So, you know, Lou Allen's beat everyone who's been in front of him. He unfortunately had a, had a skin disease issue at the Southern Scuffle, so he we did, didn't get to see him there. Even he if did, he had been there. Yeah, he would have. He would have. His best win would have been uh, either Andrew Alirez, who he beat later in the season, right, or uh, Jaden Abbas, who won the Southern Scuffle. But as a redshirt freshman, doesn't factor in quite as quite as well into the rankings. Yeah, so Gefeller was in there. Shoop was in there. Got beat in the uh, semifinals. Um, so those are the other quality guys in that field. Well, that's down to forty one. So oh, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. forty one. We're yeah. up at forty nine. Hey, good point. 
That's they definitely don't factor in. That that they didn't wrestle guys that were not in their weight class. He wouldn't have mattered there. The 157 bracket was tough, but that <laughs> also wouldn't have factored in. Now, can we talk about heavyweight for a second? All right. So obviously, yeah. So ignore the point that I just made there. That was silly. So, but but so the question remains: Who's number one? Is it is it Bulu Allen, mm-hmm. who's undefeated with a resume not quite as strong as Sammy Sasso, or is it Sammy Sasso who has the two losses, but he's avenged both of them and has. This really yeah, nice so that pleasure. was that was the big bone of contention, um, and I won't get into who had what argument, but it was, you know, do you erase those losses in a sense? Do you say that they are no longer you know negatives on you know blotches on his resume? Because when you're comparing resume, you go, well, he lost to Brent Moore and he lost to Brayton Lee, so those two losses. Brayton Lee's not a bad loss, especially when you avenge it. Right. The Brent Moore one is trickier because I don't. He's not. He's injuries and has been up and down when he was wrestling. So that's that's a bad loss. And that I don't think that should go away. I don't think, oh, you avenge that, now you no longer have a bad loss on your resume. No, you still that bad loss is still on the resume. Um, the thing that hasn't really been brought up and it's something that I try to be consistent with in the rankings is it's similar to innings pitched by a pitcher. Okay. Like quality starts, the number of times you're out there. I understand the Wallen uh, wasn't his choice not to wrestle at the CKLB. Sure. And if he did wrestle, he would have, you know, four or five more matches but it's um it's if you don't go out there and wrestle if some guy so sasso is uh 17 and 2 against d1 opponents luana is 11 and 0 uh so you're talking about almost double the number of quality opponents or Mm -hmm. eight more um Mm -hmm. and i think that matters and you say well you can't you can't play the hypothetical game and it's not playing the hypothetical game in oh well i'm counting that as, as wins or losses i'm saying i'm Giving, I'm one of the things I'm putting weight on, or one of the things that I'm considering when doing the rankings is, do you have a lot of quality matches on your resume? Okay. And I think that matters because you can sit out most of the year and then just wrestle a couple matches and be undefeated. Lou Wallen is not doing that. Right. I'm not saying that he's not been out on the streets. I'm not saying he's not competing. But that's one more thing to tip in the favor of Sasso is he's going out there and competing. If you compete 30 times, you have a much higher chance of losing than if you compete. 15 times yeah against tough competition um i don't and because that's what it's you know a true freshman that only has six you know wins oh they're undefeated why are they ranked higher you know he's gonna be good well there's another guy out there that might have a loss or two yeah. but he's wrestled 20 times or 30 times at this point yeah so i do try to do that innings pitch this is a valuable thing it, it's you're valuable for the team if you're not on the mat you're not helping your team win yeah um or if you're not you just Whatever, if you're not just competing a bunch, it's showing that, you know, uh, the guy that does compete more and win, it's just tougher to do. So, long story short, um, that's another point for Sasso. But then at the end of the day, I haven't totally made up my mind, but it's going to be tough to overcome the fact that you got a Brent Moore loss and you have a Llewellyn has quality wins like Brayton Lee and Max Thompson. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be tough. I know, uh, you know, I don't envy you uh, having to to sort all that out. It's tough to overcome undefeated. You're going to have probably people upset with you either way. But oh yeah, um, that's every week in and week out. Week in, week you get out. Called a fool for making terrible decisions all over the place. <laughs> and, it's not just going to be ranking, great. This will be high profile life. though. And ranking and, and in life. life, yeah, I get people telling me, man, what what a <laughs> what a terrible decision you've made. Um, okay, well I, that that's going to be super interesting. Um, you know, still got Austin O'Connor there. 149 pounds is going to be complete madness. At the end of the season. It's one of the more fun weight classes when you just look up and down. Um, just the the, the parody, uh, the fact that, you know, Andrew Ramirez hasn't really hit the ground, you know, hasn't gotten his legs under him and had mm-hmm. a, a bunch of great matches. Candace Storr came back out of Olympic redshirt. Uh, and then a guy like Brock Mahler is having yeah. a solid year. Hopefully we get to see Jared Degan again soon. 
Um, yeah, all up and down, fun stuff. Yeah, and no, great. no clear favorite. I mean, right now you have about four or five guys up there that all have cases. Yeah. So number one at one forty nine, way up in the air. Probably the craziest result of the entire weekend happened on Friday night as well in a dual meet between North Carolina and Virginia Tech. One hundred sixty five pounds. That was a crazy dual meet, just in general, just how well North Carolina came out there and, and handed it to Virginia Tech. They, yeah, unbelievable. But Kennedy Monday, by far the craziest result of them all. Mm-hmm. Or is a tech fall over David McFadden? Yes. I don't. I don't know if you're here yet. This morning we were talking about David McFadden has one bonus point loss in his career before this match to Kennedy Monday. That That's was a good uh, little tidbit. Way back during his freshman year to Max Roshkoff. That, that was also a oh, blast from the past. Blast from the past. That was also a tech fall. Um, but he hasn't lost by bonus points in. In like five, almost, you know, this is his fifth year in college. He hasn't lost in bonus points since his freshman year. He's a solid, as solid as they get. I mean, he has wins in his career over guys like Cutler, Labriola, Luan. He was up obviously at seventy four this yeah. year. Took a loss to Ethan Smith mm-hmm. from Ohio State, who a was weird very good. Match. But still, right, lost And so solid, Marinelli. And then a win over Wick. I mean, not many people have his kind of resume. So there's yeah. enough evidence. Like you said, going back, the last time he got majored was that long ago. Yeah. I mean, we have we have all the data we need to know that, that McFadden is a dude. That he is a All-American favorite yeah. and a contender. Um, so, yeah, I mean, a loss, a, a McFadden loss to Kennedy Monday, number 15 Kennedy Monday, is is not the part that's that's shocking it's that it was by that kind of a margin yeah right and kennedy monday we all know is is an excellent wrestler is, is a big upset potential or you know is a landmine you don't yeah. want to see in a bracket um but uh, there were some comments that his ranking was incorrect and uh, i think cp for uh pointing out that you know on his resume you know whether we know kennedy monday is capable of something or not is, is irrelevant to where we're yeah. gonna rank him like yeah. it's just wins and losses and he has a loss to quentin perez who he um avenged yep but, I mean, that's there. Shane Griffith beat him this year. And then Bronigal, uh, Dan Bronigal, who McFadden handled yeah. when they wrestled. So uh, it's he's ranked where he's – I mean, 65 is also pretty deep. You got All-American contenders all around him. So yeah. uh, that, that also made it shocking is that Kennedy has not been a consistent guy that you would think of taking out a top five All-American, three-time All-American yeah, and, and especially yeah, but especially in that manner. Um, so Kennedy Monday definitely for real. He was he is one of three Tar Heels to have an upset win in that dual meet. Um, they had an upset at 125, and this was a little bit a little bit tricky. Um, Joey Prada lost to Joey Melendez. The Battle of the Joeys. The Battle of the Joeys. Call that in Australia. The Joey Battle. <laughs> That's like baby kangaroos. Yep. Okay. That's right. Um, some Joeys. Uh, so, but. Melendez now has beat Prada twice, so that was an upset that you could maybe expect to see coming. Um, as yeah, wasn't it as shocking, yeah. What was more shocking, shocking was Melendez than losing in the App State Open. I did not see any of those App State Open matches, yeah. So I don't know I what happened there. But um, Caleb Smith, um, I, you know, good wrestler, but it's just mm-hmm. something where it, it just makes life a little bit more interesting now. Trying to go in the rankings. It's going to be tough to, to move Melendez up higher when the same weekend, great win against Prada, very good wrestlers, having a yep. great season, and then a loss. The third upset in that duel came at 157. Um, AC Headley, Headley beats BC LaParade. Yeah, um, ACBC. ACBC. One of my favorite classic rock bands. One of my favorite ACDC cover bands, ACBC, <laughs> um, at 157. And AC Headley 
winning over BC LaParade, another one of those results that like that result itself, you know, uh, Headley was in the rankings at where was uh, 17, he? 17. Oh, I already, um, I've, I've oh, started gotcha, to actually gotcha. move started guys around. Yeah. He, he was at number 17. BC LaParade was number 11. Really rained on his LaParade. <laughs> he did. It really, <laughs> he did. <laughs> gotcha. yeah, he rained on his LaParade. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and so 17 over 11 plus AC Headley has been, is a solid guy throughout his career, and but all over the map. This all year. over the map. This uh, year. Let, let, I wrote some of his wins and losses down. Beat Will Luan, who yep. is having an extremely solid season. Lost to uh, Philip Deloach, who is the normal backup at Mizzou. Jared JQs is their starter. Mm-hmm. Stanford Tyler Eichens. Eichens very good, but not someone who would be beating top twenty-five guys on a regular or top ten or uh, fifteen guys. Uh, also lost to Cade DeVos, who's having a great young season at South Dakota State. Um, but then you look at his wins, and they're solid. I think he has a win over Parks. I think uh, who else has he beaten? Uh, you go through Will Luan. We mentioned anyway. So yes, up and down season. Yeah, but those three those three upsets give North Carolina the twenty three to ten. That's a solid margin upset of victory. Upset over Virginia Tech, which is I mean that's a that's a great result for, yeah. for North Carolina. I agree. And the ACC super tough conference. Mm-hmm. I think. Probably in terms of depth. Um, well, five of their six teams are, are top 20 caliber teams. So that's, I mean, you know, Big Ten obviously is the best top level talent and probably the greatest depth as well. But um, you got to think ACC, next toughest conference in terms of in terms of depth and, and North Carolina taking hold of that conference. Kyle Bradkey had Virginia Tech ranked second in our NCAA dual rankings, which right. I think was the right place for them to be. But, it, um, you know, he's retired from that now. He's retired so from that luckily now. Luckily, he doesn't have to worry about it anymore. Yeah. Uh, but but anyway, wild wild result. Really outstanding uh, wrestling there from North Carolina. And, um, you know, one of the I think one of the, the premier uh, matches to, to talk about. Yeah. Love to see uh, big things happen in the ACC. I mean, um, uh, you know, the, the more you can spread out the quality in teams, like the, you know, parity, mm-hmm. I think, the better. Another big team upset. On the weekend was Northern Iowa, who yeah, I see you're yeah, sporting the Panther train. Uh, yeah, it just happened to be top of the pile, but I thought, all right, well, that's serendipitous. That's great. Northern Iowa knocks off Oklahoma State for the first time since 1991. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's a little debate about whether that's 20 years or 30 years. We're still trying to figure <laughs> that one out. It's, yeah, well, it's, yeah, I know. I did. I saw a couple of different. Uh, Different Twitter accounts it's, proclaiming that it was had been nearly twenty years. But yeah, no, but then like there 30. was another. There, somebody else posted it's been eighty four years with uh, Rose <laughs> from Titanic, and it could be eighty four years. I mean, who's to say? It's it's really hard to know. This is a leap year, which kind of could that could exactly. I mean, a it, bit. so multiply everything by four. I think is the way it's, it's supposed yeah. to work. You got dog years, panther years, cowboy years. It's hard to <laughs> hard to figure it all out. Um, but Northern Iowa turns in a really solid performance. Um, and Geertz, the hero. Yeah. 157 pounds. Keaton Geertz. Keaton Geertz. Knocks off white sheets and, uh, not a resume that would have given us a lot of evidence to suggest that this was going to happen on Saturday. And and white sheets. Um, I don't have his wins and losses pulled up, but, uh, he's got some solid wins. I know he beat, um, Josh Humphrey Humphreys of Lehigh last Mm -hmm. year. Mm -hmm. So I was at that, but uh, you know, he's, he's a guy, he's, I don't know if you would say he's you know favorite for the podium, but he's ranked twentieth in the country. He's pretty solid, and and Geertz, uh, you know, I had to do a little bit of research to to see where he was. So uh, that's that certainly makes for an interesting um, 
you know, rankings there at 157 towards the bottom, but then overall, just uh, you and I came to wrestle really well. Yeah. Um, Skud Larsic at 133, beating Reese Whitcraft, I thought was another one that really um, just kind of set the table for you and I allowed them mm-hmm. to then, you know, say like, this is possible. We got to, everybody goes out and does their job. Then this yeah. is in the, in the, um, this could happen because Whitcraft beat somebody else, uh, this weekend. Uh, Oh, Todd Small yeah. at, um, Iowa State. They went over to Ames and he, you know, good for Whitcraft and good for Oklahoma State for rebounding. I mean, when we touch about that and yeah. we're done talking about this duel, yeah. Oklahoma State goes up, wrestles a super tough Panther team, mm-hmm. gets beat for the first time since the, you know, turn of the century, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, and then they rebound and go uh, and has themselves a nice match against Iowa State and make they make Iowa State look kind of tired over the entire lineup. I think Kevin Coach Kevin Dresser talked about it in the press conference, but he was not happy with the performance of a lot of his Cyclones. Yeah, you know when you look at the the results on paper of Northern Iowa Oklahoma State, all the matches except for one fifty seven went according to the rankings. Mm-hmm. But yeah, as as you're alluding to, like watching that match unfold the actual wrestling action, there were a couple of really big toss-up matches that Northern Iowa needed. That's good. match with Whitcraft was one. And then at 141, Michael Blockus was ranked 14th. Dusty Hone, number 18. They both um, had some, you know, that one was very much a toss-up. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can't go by too much of the ranks, especially once you get past, like, you know, if they're that close and they're in the teens, yeah. a lot could happen they're there. They're very close. So those, so, so, you know, 33 and 41, probably toss-up matches that both went Northern Iowa's way. Yes. And then 57, a very much an upset for Northern Iowa. So um, they took six matches out of 10 well, from the, the Cowboys. One, and the one that was just an eye-opener when people thought, oh, my gosh, like, you and I is going to take this. 74, Bryce Steyer. Yeah. You know, he, he's an All-American. He's a solid guy. But Joseph Smith, a two-time All-American, mm-hmm. and, and last year had some issues going up and down in weights, and then had, like, the 33rd seed. So he's still capable of beating big dudes, but you would not expect a major decision. And it's it's hard to know what to make of Joe Smith. He he entered the Southern Scuffle for, for I think, his first action of the season, yeah. won a match, and then wrestled Lorenzo De La Riva of North Dakota yes. State, a guy who's good, but not a guy that you would expect to beat Joe Smith. And he's, a fr- he's been on, like, the bubble of the rankings yeah. for the last, like, four years. Yeah. But but he put it on Joe Smith, and then and then uh, Smith pulled out of the tournament after that. So it's like, okay, is he hurt? Is everything okay? And then you know, Steyer majors him. So it's like, well, maybe something's wrong with Joe Smith. Maybe he's you know he's in trouble. But then he goes out. Joe Smith goes out against Iowa State and beats Sammy Colbre. Oh yeah, and who, and does the Sammy Colbre what Steyer did to him? Yeah. So For, on back to back, it's like they wrestled their first one. You think they'd be fresh, and then they have a. It's an evening match. Uh, on Friday, and then a Saturday. Oh no, it's Saturday night, and yeah. then Sunday afternoon. So there's which, not a lot of there's not not 24 hours between matches. Which I think, in hindsight, maybe makes the uh, makes the Joe Smith um, or makes the Bryce Steyer win over Joe Smith even more impressive. That mm-hmm. we're not we're not just dealing with like some bargain basement version of Joe Smith. It's or, a guy who can you know go out and was and, it the extra pound? It could have been. <laughs> that could, that you could wrestle back difference. to back days, you get an extra pound. In you, the never you never know. You never know. Yeah, but regardless, yeah, yeah, <laughs> could be, could be. I mean, never, you know, I not that one pound uh, maybe makes a huge difference, but if you're getting, not that having the extra pound to work with maybe gives you the uh, advantage, but sometimes losing that last pound, you know, can definitely deplete you a little bit depending on how your cut goes. Um, but but yeah, very impressive for Northern Iowa, who entered the weekend four and three, right? Yeah. Four and three, right? Um, yeah, they took. Out, some, did they lose to South Dakota State? I think. Yep, they lost to South Dakota State, and that was that was a match that uh, Coach Schwab in the post match interview was was 
you could tell disappointed with the with the effort. Um, they also wrestled a partial lineup in that duel, but Schwab didn't make any any excuses. Yeah. Know, so well, coaches. Yeah, that's you'll never hear an excuse from wrestling coaches as far as you know injuries and people are banged up uh, mm-hmm. everywhere. But you know, as fans, you can say this is not the Northern Iowa team we're going to see in March. Yeah. So they had that loss. Um, they lost to Nebraska. And uh, they have had one. Other, I can't remember the other loss, but um, yeah, they they've had you know a little bit of an up and down season, but really big big result for them, and just kind of historically one that I think means means a whole lot. So that was impressive. And then yeah, you mentioned Oklahoma State rebounded. Yeah, and they against the tough. I mean that Iowa State team. They did not wrestle well, as Dresser mentioned in the press conference. But up and down that lineup, they are tough outs everywhere. I mean that's one thing you do get from from a Kevin Dresser coach team is is. Tough dual meet teams. I mean, he's going to make sure whoever he puts in that lineup is is going to give you a match. And you know, the Oklahoma State, to their credit, they just showed up and and took it to them and did a better job. And I mean, that shows up. They they won every match that they needed that they were supposed to win. Mm-hmm. Um, no real surprises. I mean, sure, forty nine without Degan, Ryan Leisure is not the not the the best option mm-hmm. for Iowa State, but Bula Wallen got a major there. Yeah. David Carr, um, you know, kind of the bright spot there, you know, major decision over wide sheets. So Northern Iowa had three upset wins over Oklahoma State on Friday night or on Saturday night. Sunday afternoon, Oklahoma State had three upset wins over Iowa State at 133. You already mentioned Reese Whitcraft mm-hmm. knocked off Todd Small. Uh, then at 174, Joe Smith, who was not ranked, although, you know, hard to call sure. that for sure an upset, but um, he took out Sammy Colbray. Uh, and then at 184, Anthony Montalvo was ranked uh, three or four spots behind Marcus Coleman, and he mm-hmm. got that win. So it was, it was a match that was a little bit reminiscent of the Northern Iowa match where one team just kind of got rolling and the team score in the end was very similar as well. Yeah. 23 to nine. Flip that the script. Cowboys. Yeah. Like to see Joe Smith winning the third period there because that was what everybody was concerned about gas tank. Mm-hmm. Um, just how he's wrestled this year and last year, but not an issue against uh Colbray. You wonder about Colbray getting cut down. Uh, actually we should talk about that. Joe Smith started his career at 157. Sammy Colbray famously wrestled his first varsity match at <laughs> heavyweight. heavyweight. Yeah. So a classic battle of former 157 and 285 pounders. That's good. Uh, but that was a good bet. And then Montalvo, you really think, um, or I really think he's starting to come around, putting together a consistent season. He's got some weird losses early in the season, but young guys, he's a redshirt freshman. Uh, you know, the more time he can be in that Oklahoma State rule, room, just the better he's going to be. Yeah. And I'm not surprised that a guy like him, and then you see it in some other other cases, but these redshirt freshmen, they need that second semester to really get things to click for them. Yeah. Redshirt year, their first year on campus, they're figuring things out. Second year, they're trying to step up, but, you know, maybe things don't go their way. Yeah. Now they're really coming into their own. Yeah, Montalvo at the Southern Scuffle was in a number of matches, like with opportunities for upsets, and he, he looked okay, um, but maybe not as good as Oklahoma State fans would have hoped for. But then last week, he beat Nino Bonacorsi, who I think was ranked seventh at the time. Nino's a stud. Nino's good, and so that was that kind of – one of those real first really big wins. Um, Montalvo lost to Lujan, but then gets the win over over Marcus Coleman this weekend. So he's really starting to come around. And Oklahoma State needs Montalvo to come around. Uh, they need Whitlake to come around. They need some of these some of these youngsters that are just getting themselves in the lineup to yeah. really pick up the results. And they're, and they're kind of starting to see that. Mm-hmm. Definitely, the it's good to see their lineup starting to gel, especially if Joe Smith can, can get back to his his form that we know he's capable of. Uh, Gear's a tough guy. Heavyweight's going to be a whole 
I think, all season. No offense to those guys. Yeah. But, yeah, those young guys come together. And then, you know, yeah, Dayton Fix is Olympic redshirting year. And, and uh, Caden Gefeller, unfortunately, doesn't sound like he's going to be the guy anymore. And, yeah. Um, you know, wish him the best. But you got a good good guy, Dusty Hone, there as well. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I mean, Oklahoma State is always deep. I mean, last year they had an all, a two-time All-American on the bench. Yeah. Come uh, tournament time. So, uh, yeah, don't, don't – it's a it's a loss. It's a great job. Credit to the Panthers, uh, Coach Schwab, and, and the rest of the team took care of business and in the larger arena. Mm-hmm. So they got to upgrade. Yeah. You know, West Gym is one of the best environments. Everybody should go try to watch a match there at yeah. least once. Yeah. But the school saw Oklahoma State was coming to town. They wanted mm-hmm. to you know have that ability to showcase one of their best teams to beat a power of a thirty four national championships yeah. and yeah. do it in the big arena. And they got it done. But. At the same time, Oklahoma State, great resiliency in their next match, literally the next day. Yeah. I think our man J.D. Raider reported like over 4,000 in attendance for the yeah. uh, Northern Iowa-Oklahoma State match, which which I, you know, I, I think the coaching staff probably appreciates that turnout, and I'm sure the fire marshal appreciates them not cramming 4,000 in the West Oh, gym. the West Gym. Yeah, trying to get everybody in the standing room only. Uh, J.D. Raider was at uh, both, he was at Cedar Falls, and then he was at Ames getting all that great corn tent. We're content providers. Okay. <laughs> All right. This is what you get, man. You wanted me here. <laughs> All right. I got, a, I got another conundrum for you in the yeah. Kings. 184. I, uh, I saw that was coming up. So, um, 184. Let me let me set the table for you. Um, we had a big matchup on Friday night. Nebraska, Penn State, CP, and and uh, our man uh, our man Sam Herring broke that down. Mm-hmm. But one of the one of the really kind of interesting matches to preview was the 184 match between Taylor Venz of Nebraska, who's who was ranked sixth, and Aaron Brooks. And Venz gets the win. Really nice result for Venz. And so it's like, okay, he's cementing himself as a as, as you know a podium guy once again. He was an All-American a couple seasons ago. Um, I think round of 12 last year. And it's like, all right, we got Venz. He's he's a guy we yeah, can count great on. Great CKLV for the second year in a row. Yeah. Um, but then he drops a match on Sunday to Cam Caffey. Cam Caffey, who is is like one of the guys that we that we talked about on Friday in the in the kind of guys you, you got to watch uh, list. Cam Caffey, you just yeah, I mean, he's super fun. But now you got a little rankings conundrum. Uh, very much, it's uh, you know A beats B, B beats C, C beats A. So we have a, a rankers delight. Um, and I, it's uh, you know I'm looking at the the wins and losses over here on this other screen. Uh, what you mentioned before is 100% correct. Camp Caffey is someone you do not want to see. He gets into some funky stuff. He's also a big upper body guy. Yeah. I mean, like, just fearless when it comes to just whatever position. It's like he just feels comfortable in all those, and you, and you just, you know, it's tough to defend against those guys. They're not the bread and butter type of guys. Ben's um, quicker than he looks. He's a really big 184-pounder. I wonder sometimes. He definitely was a third-period fade there. So yeah. I don't know if there is a, an issue with getting down to weight or just a bad day doing that or just didn't have the energy there because he got the first takedown against Caffey. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Everybody should watch that match. We did feature it on the site. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Caffey stayed right there with it, kept mixing it up with him, and then got clutch back points in the third and pulled away. I think it was he was up, up by one and then just sealed it with another set of four, four near fall. So, so what yeah, do what do you do? What do you do? What do you do there? Well, I think because Abasad just beat Taylor Venz. Yep. I think, and Taylor Venz just beat Aaron Brooks, and you have uh, Abasad at nine and Brooks at ten. I think Venz kind of slides in between those two guys. Okay. Caffey is a tougher one because he's got losses to guys. Billy Janzer of Rutgers just a couple weeks ago, but then Caffey also beat Owen Webster, who is a solid guy who just beat Rocky Jordan. 
Um, what are some of the other losses? Dylan Wisman uh, of Missouri and Tanner Harvey of American are on the loss column for Caffey. Yeah. And you can't ignore those either. Yeah. So, but Venz is a, is a marquee win. I mean, this mm-hmm. is an All-American. So what do you do with Caffey? I haven't yet decided. He's probably going to move up over Owen Webster, who's at 18th right now. Any further, I'm not sure. Yeah, Owen Webster, yeah, with that, just had that win last night over Rocky Jordan. Uh, man, 184 is becoming another weight class that feels like it's a little more wide open than I maybe thought it was at the beginning of the year. Yeah, I think uh, the top spot is a pretty solid Zahid. Mm-hmm. I think you can you can book on that one. But then after that, Hunter Bolin, Trent Heidley, Taylor Luan, Louis Dupre. Um, none of those guys are All-Americans. Andrew Morgan, Nino Bonacorsi, Abisad. Taylor Venn's the only other All-American there, and then Eric Brooks uh, is basically your top 10. So, yeah, it's going to be wild. It's going to be wild. And every year, for whatever reason, the Big Ten is usually has, you know, half of the guys in the top 10 or more. Mm-hmm. And um, most weights. At most weights. Yeah. 184 is always, for whatever reason, has guys from all over. Andrew Morgan is from Campbell. They're in the SoCon. Uh, Dupre, EIWA with Binghamton. Luan, Big 12 with UNI. Trent Heidley, ACC. Hunter Bolin, ACC. So, that's yeah. Owen Zahid is Pac-12. Yeah, it's it's a mess. It's it's really spread out. I kind of like when the weight classes are that way, mm-hmm. um, but you know we'll see. Really interested. I'm sure we're going to be talking about this all week. But uh, match at 184 this week. Abe Assad, Aaron Brooks, battle of true freshmen. Asterisk there. Aaron Brooks did take the uh, the gray shirt year at the Olympic Training Center last year. But yes, he is one year. This is his second year out of high school. Abe Assad is just out of high school. I don't know their exact ages. I yeah. try not to worry about it too much. Eligibility wise. True freshman against true freshman, um, and that's going to be yeah, it's just a, one of one of many really fascinating matches in that Iowa Penn State duel this weekend. But, yeah, we're going to be talking um, about that duel a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what happens when one and two and two of the most storied programs uh, go head to head. There's just a lot of storylines. There's just a lot of stuff to talk about. Um, and I, I'm pretty fascinated by it. Me too. But for now, let's put that on hold and talk about a few of the big upsets that happened around the country. We've talked about any other big team upsets. I think those we covered, kind of covered those. Um, I leave. I leave that for Bracky. Bracky. I try not to get too involved yeah, because hey, we're we have it. You know, our, in, in the Rankers Guild, we have our weekly meetings. We talk about not stepping on each other's turf too much. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I try to. Just leave him Still all the doomy rankings. I'm not even looking at the score for the most part. I'm focused on these individuals. The turf wars ever get uh, get, get pretty man. Well, there was violent. that time in the mid '90s, but you know, thankfully we all man, got through it by the skin of our teeth. Mid '90s, almost 20 years ago. Uh, all right, or so, 30 years ago. Uh, We're still know, figuring that one out. Um, so 125, bunch of upsets. The guy I want to start with is Liam Cronin of Liam. Indiana. Who was a, not the starter? Was not the starter. Rock Hudkins got hurt recently. Losing record. Mm-hmm. Losing record. And last week, um, in a Monday duel, takes out Devin Schroeder, who's having a pretty excellent season. Who looks? Who looks like? Uh, looks like an All American. Looks like an All American. Looks mm-hmm. looks twice as good as he ever has. Mm-hmm. Cronin beats having Schroeder. an AJ shop there helps a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. At Purdue, absolutely. Um, Cronin takes out Schroeder, mm-hmm. then takes out Nick Aguilar. Who's, who's a super solid freshman for Rutgers? Who's another guy that's coming into his own redshirt freshman? Had some ups and downs at you know some of the early stuff Rutgers had journeyman, and but then was putting together a couple good you know weekends in a row, mm-hmm. and I almost feel like he regressed a little bit recently. Took two losses um, this weekend. Uh, one was a uh, uh, was Schroeder, yeah. who who uh, beat him pretty good, and then the other one was Cronin, yeah, which is kind of the upset. 
that so, you're not expecting. So Cronin is a guy, you know, we talked about, um, you know, the 57 match at, at the UNI-Oklahoma State duel, right? Didn't have a lot of indication that we were going to see an upset like that. Definitely didn't have a, any indication that Liam Cronin was going to notch two upsets like this. Yeah. Super over, impressive. On a Monday, and, you know, Purdue and I, uh, Indiana had to wrestle that Monday duel, which was mm-hmm. great for us because we got to, you know, it was a good competitive duel, or Indiana came to wrestle, and a yeah. uh, good little rivalry there, hopefully... Indiana continues to do uh, big things with Escobedo, and mm-hmm. and Purdue stays on the track they're at, and that becomes a bigger That's bigger big. duel. And I'll also answer the question: Who's your team in the state of Indiana? Uh, who's it gonna be? Your, I like it. Who's your team? Who's your best team in Indiana? Got it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> covered. We're done. Uh, but yeah, wrestling on Monday, and that throws off a lot of the schedules of classes. Uh, Purdue had to travel. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it's not that far, but it still messes up your your rhythm and your schedule and everything. Yeah. So anyway, Cronin, super impressive. I I really don't know what to make of Cronin moving forward. You know, don't know if Hudkins is going to be recovered in time for Big Tens. I think they announced Hudkins is done for the year. Done for the year. Yeah. Unfortunately, it was a pretty gnarly injury he suffered at Midlands. Yeah. Um, and he was right in that match with Glory, too. Yeah. Another big upset. We've already – it's 125. We talked about Prada uh, dropping the match to Melendez for the second time. Um, but Jack Medley of Michigan yes. goes into a duel against Northwestern. This is a bracket buster. He's got – Medley has – or uh, uh, D'Agostino has four wins in a row over Medley. Yeah, but we 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 told you on Friday. Circle this match. Two times it's been to overtime. If you didn't circle it, and shame on you. We warned you. We tried. We told you print out print it on a piece of paper. Get a pen. <laughs> just cir- just cir- write out. Medley versus Dagestina. Right. Draw a circle around. Circle it. it. Boom. If you didn't do it, that's your fault and shame on you. But Dagestino uh, drops the bout. Fifth tries a charm for Jack Medley. He gets the win. Yeah, that's a that's a huge bracket buster. I mean, Medley is tough. Michigan is having the, that tough season. A lot of guys on Olympic red shirt. Mm-hmm. Um. And uh, it's it's great that a guy like Jack Medley can step up where they need him and take out a guy that, you know, had a great Midlands that is just, you know, stepping in for Sebastian Rivera, who's moved up and yeah. uh, is at 133. It looks like he's going to stay there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, my man Mike D uh, dropped to Jack Medley, and kudos to Jack Medley for, for not, you know, for not letting that get into his head that he's yeah. lost that many times. Especially, I mean, the last match they had was was by far the greatest margin. The others had been like one or two point matches. And mm-hmm. then, and then, you know, so, um, yeah, big big win there. 133, a uh, couple, of, couple of affiliate Big 12 schools had some big results. Wyoming wrestled Utah Valley in mm-hmm. uh, kind of a satellite duel. They went to Green River, Wyoming, halfway between University of Wyoming and Utah Valley. And so they kind of met in the middle there. Equidistant, would you call it? It was, yeah, not quite. It was actually a little closer to Utah Valley. but um, So a home duel for Utah Valley. Really. Home duel for Utah Valley in Green River, Wyoming, um, hosted by the Cowboys. And Taylor Lamont, who who his freshman year looked like an All-American. He mm-hmm. beat, I think, five All-Americans that year as a freshman. And, uh, you know, had, looked really solid, but he, he's just... Was he round had, of 12 and was, you know, razor thin. Razor thin. 125. He hasn't, he hasn't had the results this year that we maybe expected based on his performance he's in the had injuries. He's, he's wrestling a ton of Greco, mm-hmm. made a couple age-level teams, at least one. Yeah. Um, so he is getting the match time out there and trying to wrestle while recovering from injuries and yeah. now helping out his team. Yeah. So you respect that. And then uh, Montour Bridge is being is solid. Bridge is super solid. He's number seven in the country. Um, only, you know, only has lost to guys ranked ahead of him this year. And, uh, man, they, they went out in this dual meet and Taylor Lamont just, like, rips this lefty headlock. 
and, and he's pins, a head, he's a headlock guy. Yeah, pins pins bridges. That duel was wild. You should go back and watch that full event um, if you like seeing pins. Five out of the first six matches in the duel were pins. Yeah, you um, just just rip right through it, get to that break. It was it was wild. Uh, so crazy crazy result there. Lamont's just reminding everyone he's he's for real. He's he's uh, super dangerous and he's. Um, no, yeah, if you no, slept no, no. on Lamont, uh, shame on you. Mm-hmm. And we told you to circle that match as well. I felt like, I, oh, we did. Yeah, we told you to circle it. I felt like there was a pun coming. Um, another, <laughs> another, another fall. I'll try. Yeah, another fall for a Big Twelve affiliate school. Uh, Moshe Schwartz in a duel with Cal State Bakersfield pins Chance Rich, and that was another another duel. Um, Northern Colorado. You know, we've talked about they've they've done a good job recruiting and bringing in a lineup that's a little more competitive. They they held that duel in their like campus commons. It looked like a theater setting, really mm-hmm. cool lighting, um, good atmosphere. People were pretty into that. And uh, Bakersfield really was rolling throughout that duel, but um, but Schwartz gets the fall and puts puts uh, Northern Colorado within striking distance with one match to go. Unfortunately for the Bears. Uh, Bakersfield got the win at 41 and, and that iced the duel. But yeah, injury has um, really taken their toll uh, on Northern Colorado. It's mm-hmm. a tough job to keep everybody healthy and, and uh, focused on March. Yeah. But good job by Coach Nickerson doing uh, interesting things on campus there, getting mm-hmm. the community involved, getting them, uh, you know, just the more different things you can do, the more times the various people on campus and the students can, you know, just realize that yeah. there's a wrestling team on campus doing cool things, the better it is for everybody. Yeah. Uh, so that's uh, always fun to see those interesting venues. So, yeah, but, but big upset there for not, not a huge upset numerically, but just a, a an impressive in the way that Schwartz yeah. fought for the fall. Schwartz uh, is kind of going, he started uh, pretty good with the start of the season, uh, hit some bumps and then fell out of the rankings, but has always been right there. I mean, every match he's lost or won has always you felt like it could have gone either way, almost. You know, he's a true freshman. That's right. Um, he's, you know, so you kind of you expect some of those some of those peaks and valleys, but he's a little he's learning good. curve there, and he's he's stepping in, doing a good job. Yeah. So, um, handful of other upsets there at one thirty three, uh, one forty one. Not not too many. Um, I want to shout out Anthony Gibson, Northern Illinois. We don't get to talk about yeah. uh, that program all that much, but they're they're a pretty salty lineup. Uh, you're not going to see too many guys at the uh, NCAA's, but. Uh, Anthony Gibson may make a case for himself. He's a redshirt freshman. He beat All-American Grant Leith, uh, Missouri, and Dresden Simon of Central Michigan, mm-hmm. a, I think, mm-hmm. a couple weeks ago. Um, nice. And uh, I have not yet to see those matches, but I just like pointing those out. Those are uh, good to see. Yeah, those are good. I mean, Grant Leith is a guy who um, you would think if he's if he's healthy in March, he's a, an All-American threat. Yeah, it's the health thing is the issue. Obviously, he's on, I think, year seven, and he still has eligibility left because he's had so many injuries to deal with. But and you know, when he is on, and he's down at 41, he's at 49 when he uh, did make the podium. So he's a, he's a dangerous guy. You mentioned uh, he beat Dresden Simon. Nick Lee, switching gears momentarily, but it's mm-hmm. for a reason, has, has won by bonus points in every single one of his matches, except one. That was the Black Knight Invitational Finals over Dresden Simon. So good tidbit there. Another another good one to uh, extract out of the dome and let people know. Hey, this Dresden Simon guy. He's he's good. He's been ranked. I'm not sure if he's he well. He must be in the rankings right now. If we're concerned, this an upset. So um, big win there for for Gibson over a super solid Dresden Simon mm-hmm. um, and and also Grant Leith. So nice work. Grant Willits, uh, real tough kid out of Oregon State, has a nice win over Josh Heil. Mm-hmm. Uh, of Campbell, so mm-hmm. good to see two uh, quality competitors in that uh, match. And then I think the story 141 is the fact that uh, 
Nick Lee, who you just mentioned, and Luke Pletcher both beat top 10 guys handily. Like, Super they look like the class of 141 right now. Pletcher took McKee, and uh, Pletcher at 141 is not, not the tallest guy out there, mm-hmm. but he's got a gas tank and he's a goer now. And uh, kind of similar to the way Nick Lee attacks people, and, and Lee looked really good over Red. I think he got a major decision, didn't he? Yeah. Well, he everybody was in bonus. He, he won 9 to 1. Um, and I mean, that was crazy. Nick Lee and Chad Red have obviously they have history and, um, you know, in the, in the dual meet last year, it was Nick Lee got a, got a takedown early and then Chad Red kind of fought his way back in. Uh, but it was, it was a really close match this time. It's all Nick Lee. And, you know, there was some conversation on Twitter, like people saying, well, you should have seen that coming. You should have known, you know, Nick Lee was going to beat Chad Red. Nick Lee's best win of the year before this was was a, a major decision over Dylan Duncan, thirteen to five, yeah. and then his second best opponent was Dresden Simon, who we just mentioned. He, he you know, was his one uh, match that was not a bonus point win. So, um, I, I was super impressed. Did not see a major decision coming against somebody as solid as Chad Red, but Nick Lee looked amazing. Yeah. Well, and this is something uh, Nomad and I talked about on who's number one the show, um, which we'll talk about again. Is is uh, Nick Lee the the Big Ten schedule, 141. Unlike 184, there's plenty of talent at, uh, in the Big Ten at 141, yeah, and yeah. they're all going to hit each other. They're all going to, the you know, Iowa, Penn State, um, whoever Iowa sends out there, hopefully Muren's healthy enough to go. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, as, as to who hits where, and then Tristan Moran at Wisconsin, they're yeah. all going to start running into each other. Mitch McKee, Pletcher, Nick Lee, everybody. Yeah. Um, and then Pletcher, I mean, it, it just, he looks like, uh, I mean, his timing is 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 perfect yeah he, he gets in so deep every time and it's like he he finishes almost every attack he takes which that is not the case for most people you know they're obviously uh vastly different weight classes but you remind me of the way z valencia attacks his matches now and mm-hmm. pleasure was not always that guy he was no. not the high volume shooter high conversion rate but he's definitely turning into that guy yeah or has become that guy yeah um, we've already talked about 49. I mean, the biggest upsets here are Sammy Sasso upsets. He gets two. He knocks off number one, number four. Another classic Sammy Classo. <laughs> it doesn't really make sense. I like it saying it, though. It does, it, I like it. It sounds good. Uh, 157, we talked about AC Headley over BC and the ACBC, ACDC cover band uh, results. Um, Keaton Gertz, we've talked about. You want to take this one? I put it in the notes. Jared, Jared Frannick at the disco. Yep. <laughs> beat Justin Thomas. And uh, I, I really like this guy, Jared Frannick, North Dakota oh, yeah. State. He hand fights harder than He's as blue anyone. collar as you can be. He's from North Dakota. Mm-hmm. Fargo champ, I think. Stays in state and yeah. is just a little, little fire plug. I mean, he's going and he just going to wrestle tough. Super, super hard-nosed wrestler. Yeah. Um, so good to see that win. Justin Thomas is a tough guy. He's had a he's had a tough schedule. Uh, Oklahoma um, scheduling a lot of, uh, you know, tournaments and tough opponents. And Justin Thomas has won a lot of good matches, but he's taken some losses. So um, we'll see where, that, uh, where he ends up there. And then a guy who snuck into the ranking recently, Ryan Thomas. I don't think they're related. But either way, it's a battle of the Thomases to see who's going to be ranked higher. Yeah, Ryan Thomas knocks off Thomas Ryan's Elijah Cleary. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that was good. Uh, so 165, talked about Kennedy Monday. He's the story. He he has turns in the most impressive result of any single match uh, on, the, on the weekend. It's got to be frightening for everybody else at 165. So you have Wick and Marinelli kind of – or not Wick. You have um, Chenzo and Marinelli. And Chenzo just beat White, mm-hmm. uh, Isaiah White, mm-hmm. who's extremely good. And it. it's like – Wow. Okay, so Penn State is now finally getting those guys, and we weren't sure what kind of uh, 
you know, Chenzo we were going to see, what kind of Nick Lee we are going to see, or well, these guys are, are All-American either. I mean, uh, national title favorites or, at the very least, strong contenders. Um, but that Kennedy Monday taking out McFadden like that, it's like the rest of the weight class, like, crap, am I going to have to wrestle this guy at some point? Probably. Yeah. And is it going to be that Kennedy Monday? And if so, come up with plan B, because mm-hmm. your plan A probably won't work. Somebody on Twitter said uh, Kennedy Monday, you know, Jordan Oliver effect, right? Like spending time around Jordan Oliver, who's obviously looked really good. It seems to me like the relationship between the the Monday family, um, obviously, you know, Olympic gold medalist Kenny Monday, um, Kennedy, and then and then even uh, Quincy Monday. We've seen like videos of him rolling with the uh, with with Kennedy and Oliver over the break and stuff when he's back from Princeton. It, it feels like a super symbiotic relationship between between Jordan Oliver yeah. and that Monday family. Guys like, with greatness on their mind. Yeah, yeah, a lot of legacies out there. The Mondays. Uh, are wrestling this year. David Carr is out there. Um, uh, Joe Smith. Wyatt De- Sheets. And Wyatt Sheets. Yeah. Uh, all those guys, um, I mean, that's just extra pressure. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I could not imagine, um, you know, having that in the, in you know, looming in the background all the time was, you know, you got to represent because it's not just you, it's the family as well, but they're doing pretty well, all those guys right now. Yeah. Um, 174, kind of a minor upset, but uh, Caleb Romero knocked off uh, Skatska in a in a match between the seventh and ranked eighth ranked wrestlers at, at one seventy four, Romero is a guy that I think beginning of the year you know it seemed like round of twelve round of sixteen. I was not expecting this Romero. I'll be honest, maybe I should have been. Uh, but he has looked super solid in every match, and I love the way he went and got that winning takedown against. Mm-hmm. Um, Devin Skatska, who is as tough. I mean, you've we've seen Skatska now for a couple of years, just looking large for 174. He's yeah. a mean wrestler, and Romero was on him the entire time and went out and kind of like got one of those takedowns where he just willed it to happen. He just wanted it and he got it. Mm-hmm. We've got obviously Mark Hall at this weight. We've got Mikey Kemmer at this weight. Mark Hall, what he did to Mikey Labriola. I mean, you expect Mark Hall to win that match, right? He's he- very, very heavily favored. Labriola, very good, All-American, a little bit younger than Mark. Uh, but at the end where it was like, all right, Mark's going to pin him now. That, that you know, of the of the observations that, you know, people have had about that Penn State-Nebraska match, I mean, the I think the clearest, like, standout asset of, of Penn State is their ability, is the ability of their guys to turn a match from a decision into a bonus point match at the end. Mark Hall's the king of that. I mean, he'll wrestle tight first periods against everyone, maybe not even get a takedown. Not everyone, but you see it happen. And then he slowly wears him down, slowly wears him down, and, you know, he looks good up at 174. I don't think that's a really good weight class for him. Mm -hmm. And he's able to just physically overpower guys in in the late period, you know, in the third and late. And people don't do that to Labriola. No, Labriola, look at that guy. don't do that to Labriola, yeah. But it wasn't just Mark Hall, right? I mean, so RBY does something very similar at 133. Mm-hmm. And, and I, mean, I think for five minutes of that match at 133, it, it felt like um, RBY was really, really being pushed, right? It felt like, uh, you know, he, he was being challenged by the true freshman uh, and who's, who's – Name should not be escaping me, but is Ridge Lovett? Um, oh yeah, Nebraska. Ridge Lovett. I was blanking as well. Ridge Ridge Lovett like was was pushing him, and it felt like RBY was was more skilled, but that you know Ridge Lovett was going to make it close. And RBY puts him on his back, gets the major decision uh, late in the match, and that was that was huge. Yeah, how about Ridge Lovett's a true freshman, and people already avoiding choosing down 
against him. Mm-hmm. Like, what's going to happen when he's like a junior and a senior? Oh yeah, it's just it's going to be like everyone just doing anything they can to avoid. But you know, CP often talks about like, okay, Penn State's going to close the gap. They're going to do this. So just wait, you know, just wait till March. And I mean. The, I think all the evidence suggests Iowa has got a huge lead right now in this team race. But when you see things like that, mm-hmm. things like RBY, you know, pulling out a major in the, in, the, in the final minute of the match, Mark Hall getting a fall in the last minute of the match, it just it feels like, man, they got tricks up their sleeves. They, yeah, they just got studs in that lineup. And the thing about the NCAAs is, you know, it's obvious for anybody to – you know, realize, but you have four national champs and you're going to probably win no matter what, yeah. how many All-Americans the, the other guys get. Yeah. Um, and when, a, you know, RBY's got a super tough, uh, you know, field mm-hmm. at 133, that weight class is tough. But if Nick Lee, you know, takes care of 141, which he's certainly capable of, uh, and then you have Chenzo and Mark Hall who look like the clear favorites, it's like that leaves a lot of wiggle room. That puts a lot of pressure on the, an Iowa team that – you know, you have Spencer Lee at 125, but not as many guys. I mean, Marinelli still has to, I think his highest finish is fifth. He's clearly yeah. the, the, the second best guy mm-hmm. in the weight class if you're looking at it. But it just puts that much more pressure on all those guys. Kemmerer, we, you know, haven't seen as much at 74, that kind of thing. Yeah. So we covered uh, pretty much, you know, 74, Joe Smith. The question is he back or not? Really interesting. 84 mentioned, you know, Venz gets the big win on Friday night and drops a match to Caffey and Montalvo over Marcus Coleman. He's he's uh, looking good. Uh, another one that's going to mess up the uh, rankings. Oh, I spelled his name wrong in there. Uh, Jack Jessen over Jelani Embry. I really like Embry. He's a lot like, um, uh, well, he, he also goes upper body. Mm-hmm. He's got that rivalry with Caffey that are always uh, awesome matches. They've been wrestling since high school a million yeah. times. Um, Caffey definitely has the better hair right now. I don't know if you saw it, but oh. he dyed his hair and oh, yeah. looking uh, luxuriant. And, oh, uh, man. Yeah, great looking head of hair. Uh, but but uh, Jack Jessen was previously unranked, and it's like, oh, have we added another guy here? It's the the Big Ten guys. They're not mm-hmm. elite, but they're all just beating each other up in like the you know 15 through 25 range. Yeah. Uh, a couple of uh, Big 12 affiliates with upsets at 197, Tanner Sloan, who started the season ranked really high. He's kind of getting back on track, takes out Jake Woodley of Oklahoma. Yeah, good um, to see. Uh, I think the Jackrabbits were counting on Sloan. It's good to see that there was a supporting cast that can help carry that team too because mm-hmm. Tanner Sloan is, is uh, still very young. Mm-hmm. So um, uh, coming off redshirt, it's tough to pin, you know, make that guy like the focal point and uh, a couple losses dropped him out. But now he's kind of regaining that momentum. He's a guy uh, that's a redshirt freshman that is in their second semester that I was – Mentioning or alluding to before with the other other wrestlers that are in similar yeah. situations, Montalvo, they're starting to get their legs under them, and uh, as upper weight, um, I think he's uh, he's a real dangerous guy. And uh, Stephen Buchanan of Wyoming gets a upset win over Tanner Orndorff of Utah Valley. Um, not a huge upset. Uh, Orndorff not ranked super high, but Stephen Buchanan, a, a true freshman for Wyoming, a guy that they were really excited about. They pulled his red shirt after he uh, had a big win. Um, over uh, Northern Colorado's Jacob Seeley in the Northern Colorado Open. Yeah. And he's he's been in a lot of matches but hasn't been turning in uh wasn't turning in, you know, wins for a lot of for, for a lot of the first half of the season against those ranked guys, but he was right in those matches and then now kind of starting to put a few of those together and I saw in the NCAA coaches panel ranking that came out on Friday, he was sitting at 26, so he's 
He's you right know, on the bubble. Right on the bubble, but maybe an NCAA qualifier kind of guy, and uh, well, he's yeah. coming along. Yeah, and I like 197. Just if you look at the weight class as a whole, it's a lot like uh, 125 in that um, there there is a lot of room. There are a lot of ground to be covered, mm-hmm. and uh, um, should also mention that Christian Bruner went down with an injury default against Jordan Pagano. Pagano was in on a single leg. That is a that's a that's a key guy. Hopefully, uh, he's back and healthy. He's been battling injuries. Um, that injury looked bad. Yeah, if if he's out, then that's just another um, position. We hope he's not. We hope speedy recovery. But guys like Jlo, Ethan Laird, very tough guys um, that are in that mix there. Lucas Davison, um, retro freshman Thomas Lane of Cal Poly. They're ahead of guys like Shakur Rashid, and because Shakur Rashid doesn't wrestle all that much, but mm-hmm. that's an opportunity for Penn State to cover or to make up a lot of ground. Yeah. And we know Shakur Rashid can All-American at 197. He's done it before. Yeah. Heavyweight, probably the most notable upset, Seth Nevels, who I think a lot of people expect to do better than his ranking. He was sitting at 20 in the rankings. He uh, he beat Christian Lance 4-0 to in that duel, which I think just – kind of cements in people's mind that he's going to start creeping up the rankings. He's going to be an impact guy at the end of the year. And, and the question is, what kind of an impact? Is he around a 12 guy? Is he around a 16 guy? Or does he get on the podium and score points? Yeah, 100%. I mean, the heavyweight is going to be tough. There's a there's starting to be a, a clear-cut group at the top there. Gable Stevenson mm-hmm. coming back. Definitely big. Uh, he's the favorite, but Mason Paris doing just incredible things as a true sophomore. So getting too high up there, I mean, Jordan Wood is at eight right now. We know Jordan Wood is solid. So yep. all that area, it's going to be tough to break into there and make the podium. So I don't know how many points Seth Nevels is going to get in yeah. March. Yeah. But to your point, you said it, he handled Christian Lance pretty well, and Christian Lance was a solid 15. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's a guy that if you can get past those guys, good chance to you know either make the quarterfinals or sneak in or get a good uh, backside draw. Yeah. And you never know what could happen. Yeah. And he had a win over an All-American last year in his redshirt year. Oh, he beat Hamida. Um, he beat Yusuf Hamida of Maryland. And yep. so, I mean, that's the that's the result that Penn State fans are going to point to to say, um, look, you know, he beat Hamida, who's not only an All-American, but just a big, strong, athletic heavyweight. He can he can do this. So we'll he's see. He's got a great nickname. You know what the Penn State guys are calling him? Or yeah. they have been. They call him Big Snacks. Big snacks. I like it. I do too. Speaking of nicknames, maybe this is where we close it. Uh, did you see what? Did you see what Minnesota was calling Gable Stevenson uh, on social oh, media last yes. night? Oh yes, taking a little bit from the Ohio State playbook. <laughs> they call him Gas Tank Gable. Yeah, and you know, so tough, tough weekend for the Gas Tank. The Gas Tank at number one <laughs> and number three. Um, you know, there's not much you can do. Gable Stevenson, Anthony Cassiope, two incredibly tough guys. They're both same. Gable's a true sophomore, right? So they're the same uh, grade or yeah, same yeah, age, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, both second-year guys at their program, uh, eligibility-wise. Cassiope's a freshman, uh, but both really good. And Gaston Gary gave it his best. Uh, it, it is interesting to see more and more other social media. So Ohio State's been leaning into Gaston Gary, oh, well, as time. they should, big because time. it's a great story, and yep. you love to see a guy like that uh, get a little shine, get a little mm-hmm. uh, time in the spotlight. But now some other social media, some other, it's happened at least a couple times now. When he takes yeah. a loss, which he will because he's, he, he's only going to win so many matches this year. Right. Uh, they, but they're, they're using that gas tank to his <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, against him well, in and, some way. Yeah, and it, it makes me believe that the sports information turf wars must be <laughs> nearly as dangerous and competitive as the rankers. The rankers guild, Yeah. With the SID <laughs> guild get together and they have their discussions. I wonder if it gets heated, especially the, within the, the big 10. These the days. emojis flying back and forth between 
Minnesota's Twitter account and Ohio State's Twitter account were really, I mean, they, you know, they had me, they had me, you know, had me, you know, out of the streets early last night, uh, just not wanting to catch, uh, you know, any, any stray ammunition flying back and forth. But, yeah, you were uh, hunkering down for the, uh, the great SID wars of 2020. That's right. I, I think it's great as long as, uh, you know, other people disagree or don't care for anything that happens online or what, what have you, but it's, it's all pretty funny. Yeah. It's all, uh, it, it's, Get more interest out there, mm-hmm. and and there's a fine line. I I agree between you know emphasizing something that's not good for the sport, which is excessive trash talking or excessive, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, just you know uh, being you know uh, aggressively or obnoxious or whatever. Yeah. But if you're doing emojis, if you're taking the gas tank yeah. thing and going yeah. back and forth a little bit, let's have a little fun. Absolutely. Online. And, Online is for fun. And if and if a nickname like Gas Tank Gary inspires Gable Stevenson to push for a major when he wouldn't have otherwise, well, that's great. Everybody, <laughs> yeah, you know, extra motivation. Everybody should everybody should uh, strive to be to have the nickname Gas Tank. I think. Yeah, um, we're all gas tanks at heart. That's we are. Hopefully, we got we're gonna use our gas tanks this week and uh, and crush the entire week of content. It's gonna be a busy one. Man. We got a big week at, week of wrestling coming up for you guys. Um, I know you were all probably busy watching the Pro Bowl yesterday, uh, along with all the wrestling. Yeah, I was riveted to the <laughs> screen. Yeah, football. The football team won the championship at the Pro Bowl. Um, <clears throat> it was great. Sports ball. <laughs> Sports ball. Uh, but anyway, great week of wrestling coming up. We got FRL every day this week, I do believe, and uh, plenty to talk about. Um, anything else, Andrew Spade, before we no, hit the road? No, dual meets coming up. Let's get pumped for those again. All right. We'll see you guys back around uh, before too long.